to start in Acts chapter 22. I've uh, structured this message a little differently than I normally do. Normally I find one passage and, I'm, and I'll kind of park there for the whole time. We're actually going to jump around to a couple different passages and I kind of want to build off some points um, as we go through today. And, and I love the fact that we live in America. I love the fact that we have uh, freedoms and, and liberties here that many countries don't enjoy. Uh, there are many countries where if you want to gather together on a Sunday uh, to, to worship the Lord, you've got to do it in secret. And uh, people that want to sing, uh, I love singing. I love singing in church. And uh, I, like, I like Kenny being up here leading the songs. He's nice and loud when he sings. And I, enjoy, I just, I grew up with him being the song leader here. And, and I miss, you know, I like his singing styles and stuff like that. And, and he, just, he just belts it out. I love it. And so I, I feel like I got to sing louder when he, when he leads songs. I, I don't know. So, but I, I, love, I love when you sing, just to sing loud and enjoy where you are and enjoy the, the presence of God and, and enjoy that time. Uh, when we sing, we're singing as unto the Lord. We're to, we're to be praising his name. Even when we're singing patriotic songs, you look at, the, you look at those, those patriotic songs and a lot of times, how many times God is referenced and, and just our country was founded on biblical principles. Uh, if you go, it's, they, don't, they don't highlight these things. If you were to go take a tour of the state, of the, the Capitol over in D.C. and you see all these different monuments, you know it's printed, just engraved all over those monuments is scripture. And if you do tours and stuff nowadays, they won't, they won't talk about those scriptures. They won't highlight those things. They'll be like, oh, this is this monument and dedicated to this person, and then they'll move on. But they won't talk about the scriptures that are engraved on those monuments. The fact that our country was founded on biblical principles. It is woven into the founding documents of our country, a belief system in God. And uh, the, all those things are important. And I think one of the reasons why America has been such a prosperous country is because of our, our dependency, our faith, and our trust in God. It's in our, it's in our national anthem. It's in our, our pledge to allegiance. We're one nation under God. And the reason we're under God is God should be first and foremost in our lives. I, I tell people it should be Jesus Christ first. The kingdom of God comes first, and then you're an American second. And uh, I love being in America, but, but so many times we get, we get so, what's the word, lackadaisical? Is that a real word? Okay, okay. Um, uh, we, we just get, we, we take it easy. We're, we're, we're comfortable and oftentimes we take so much for granted in this country. And, and uh, I, know, I know Thomas said it, and I know Preacher said it, if you get the chance to go on a mission trip and see how other people all across this world uh, come to worship, where people will walk hours upon hours to be at a church service. And if, you, if, you were to be, if they were to come to a service in America where we sing eh, 20 minutes, uh, and, then we, and then we preach, maybe half an hour and a little fillers and announcements in between. And then we, we dismissed to go home. They'd be like, I, I should be worshiping the Lord more than it took me to walk here. So let's get that preacher back up there and let's keep going. Um, there are countries where that's the way it is. And, and so it's like they would feel like, hey, I, I, it took me a long time to get here. I want to hear the word of God. Get up there and preach. And if, one, if it stopped at one preacher, they'd be like, get another preacher up there. Let's hear it. And I think sometimes we lack that thirst, we lack that desire to know God. But uh, before I go on with any of this, let's start in Acts chapter 22. And uh, we're going to start in verse 22. So at the tail end of this chapter, uh, we're, we're going to read it, and then we'll go into some, some history to this passage. 
and then we'll, we'll uh, move forward from there. But Acts chapter 22, starting in verse 22. Oh, that would make sense. I'm in, I'm in Acts 24. I'm like, this isn't the right place. Acts 22, and in verse 22. And then they gave audience unto his word, and then lifted up their voices and said, Away with, with such a fellow from the earth, for he is not fit that he should live. And they cried out and cast off their clothes and threw dust into the air. And the chief captain commanded him to be brought uh, into the castle and bade that he should be examined by scourging and that he might know wherefore they cried so against him. And as they bound him with uh, thongs, Paul said unto the centurion that stood by, is it lawful for you to scourge a man that is a Roman and uncondemned? And when the centurion heard that, he went and told the chief captain, saying, Take heed what thou doest, for this man is a Roman. Then the chief captain came and said unto him, Tell me, art thou a Roman? And he said, Yea. And the chief captain answered with a great, with a great sum, I obtained this freedom. And Paul said, But I was, born, I was free born. Then straightway they departed from him, uh, which should have examined him, and the chief captain also was afraid after he knew that he was a Roman and because he had bound him. We're going to pause right there, but uh, looking at this passage, and, and well, let's pray, and then we'll jump into it, uh, and we're going to have a good time. Our gracious Lord and Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much for the privilege, the opportunity to stand to preach your word, and Lord, I pray that you'd help us as we see in your word that we are free from sin. We are free from the bondage that, that is there. Lord, you've given us liberty, you've given us peace, uh, you've given us salvation, and we should be thankful and grateful for those things. And I pray that you'd help us to, be, to, to grow closer to you in this time, but Lord, that we would appreciate the gifts and the blessings that you bestow upon us, uh, not just every day, but when you sent your son to die on the cross for our sins, and I pray that you'd help us in this time. We love you, we praise you for all that you do, in Jesus' name, amen. So this is kind of the midpoint in Paul's ministry, and he's, he's, uh, he's gone through most of his missionary journeys, and uh, he had made a vow to go back to Jerusalem to preach there and, and to, to, to worship at the temple, and he did, and we know that he had gone into the temple just a couple chapters prior, and, and uh, there was some confusion. They, a lot of the Jews thought he was a person that was bringing uh, Gentiles and, and people that weren't allowed to be in the temple into the temple, and there was some confusion there, and he used this opportunity. Paul was never one to shy away from an opportunity to preach, uh, even when the opportunity maybe wasn't wasn't there, Paul just preached. Uh, Paul, was, Paul would oftentimes just, uh, thinking about the time he was at, um, uh, the, the, the word escapes me, but when he saw the, the temple to the unknown God, and it, he, the, the spirit of God was just stirred into him, and he just stood up and just started preaching. And uh, Paul was that kind of person. Paul was a preacher. Paul was a, uh, the preacher's preacher. He wrote many, many books to encourage pastors, to encourage preachers and leaders, uh, and that was, that was one of Paul's uh, gifts and abilities that was part of his calling was to encourage uh, the believers. And going through a transition, transitionatory period uh, where a lot of the way we knew God was communicated through the law and through uh, Judaism. And then we have uh, the church age happening and, and Paul is the one that's kind of helping uh, push all that along with Peter and the other disciples. But 
But Paul wrote the majority of the New Testament. And a lot of these writings were teaching us how the law was, was our schoolmaster and that was there to show us that we needed Christ and, and the transition that takes place. And so there's, there's a lot that happens and we're given liberty from the law. And, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But, but Paul was not one to shy away from the opportunity to preach. And so he, he would use that opportunity to preach and he gets arrested and they, they, they start carrying him away from the temple and and uh, they're carrying him up into the castle, into the keep. And he, he kind of says, hey, let me, let me plead my case. I think I can calm him down. And, and, and if you know Paul, Paul, every time he preached, there was, nobody ever got calmed down. <laughs> People are just oftentimes whipped into a bigger riot. And so he stands on the, he, he gets the license to speak. And he, the Bible says he's standing on the staircase. He's standing there and he, he beckons to the crowd. And they all quiet down because they want to hear what he's going to say. And, and he starts preaching to him. And... Uh, and then we come to this passage, which is at the tail end. He's preached, and, and the majority of the crowd, and I'm sure that there were some that believed, and, and there was other disciples that were within the crowd, and I'm sure people, some people were saved. The Bible doesn't tell us who or how many or if any, uh, but I'm sure some people were, were stirred by Paul's word, uh, were stirred by the word of God, because we know if the word of God is preached, that there is going to be a response. And it's either we soften our hearts and we let God work, or... We do the opposite, which is where we pick up at verse 22. Uh, they start throwing a fit. How many, how, how many times have you ever sat under the preaching and the preacher stepped on your toes and you didn't like it? You don't have to raise your hand, but you've, you've been there, right? And you have two responses. You can, you can say, okay, okay, God, you're talking to me. I can tell you're speaking to me and I, I need to get this right. And you, you start, okay, man, I got to fix that. I got to do this. I got to do that. God, you're, you're speaking to me. Or you do the second. Well, I ain't gonna change nothing. I'm a perfectly good, you know. Or you start pitching a fit. Thank goodness, uh, when you guys disagree, you, you don't do what these guys did and start ripping your clothes off and screaming and kicking up dust and, and asking for the preacher to get killed. Uh, I'm thankful nobody does that because because uh, I'm not the best preacher. But I, I, I'd I'd like to walk home today and and, and uh, make it home. But but uh, I'm thankful we don't do that. But. But you have, a, you have a choice to respond, to, to listen to God's word and to change, or uh, to, to just kind of, nope, to, to say, I'm content in my sin. I'm a good enough person. God, you don't need to change me. I've already done so much for, you know, and I, I've heard all sorts of things. I've already given so much to God. He doesn't need any more in my life. And it's like, what? <laughs> okay. But in this passage, we, we see the anger at the message. We see people getting frustrated with, with the status quo being upset, uh, upset and, 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 and many of these Jews saying, hey, this guy's preaching something contrary to the law. But as we read the scripture, we know that Paul didn't preach anything contrary to the law, but he preached the fulfillment of the law when Christ came and died on the cross. And so those two messages, the Old Testament message and everything that's in it, ties hand in hand with what's in the New Testament. And we can't, everything that we believe is dependent on what we learn in the Old Testament. We see Christ in the Old Testament through every single book. The whole Bible is pointing to Christ dying on the cross. And then that happens and the rest of the book is pointing to, hey, what's going to happen next? And it's, it's wonderful to see how that all grows, and, and I, don't, I don't want to use the word evolves, but changes, and we, we get a better understanding of God and how we can know Him better through the whole Bible. And many people, I don't like preaching out of that book, or I don't like this, and it's, well, you know what? It's all God's Word, and it's all there for our edification, to help us grow stronger, to help us grow closer to Christ. 
you know, I talked about Enoch a couple weeks ago. Enoch wouldn't have uh, walked so closely with God if he picked and chose what God told him. He's like, God, you were talking to me the other day and you said something. I didn't really care for that, so let's just stay away from that subject. No, Enoch took the whole counsel of God. He walked closely with God and he wanted to grow closer to him. So we see anger that happens anytime there's preaching. Somebody, somebody somewhere gets angry. Somebody gets upset. Somebody gets their feelings hurt. It happens. And I hope it's not you. I hope that when you hear the preaching, you're hungry for God's word and you allow that to sink in and change your heart. But we all respond in different ways. But we see... As we read on, we see that response, and immediately Paul's, Paul's thrown into shackles, and they're getting ready to beat him so that they can get the truth out of him. Uh, how many? I won't, I won't go there. <laughs> but uh, I know in my household, when, the, when something goes wrong, something gets broken, and uh, there's, there's a person in my house who's named I don't know, who breaks everything. I don't know. Something, something gets broken. We round up all the kids. Who broke this? I don't know. I don't know who did it. <laughs> so uh, I don't know. But, uh, but oftentimes, and then, and, then you, and then you go to, well, there's going to be some punishment until I get the truth. And, and that's kind of the route they go to. Okay, we're going we're gonna to give Paul a good beating, and then we'll get the truth out of him because he won't want to lie after we beat him. Uh, but being a Roman, and this is, this is an interesting thing, being a Roman... Paul had freedoms and liberties that many of the citizens in, I can't say citizens, many of the uh, people that lived in Jerusalem didn't have. If you were a Jew, but you weren't born a Roman, you could obtain citizenship, but it would come at a great price. Whereas Paul, due to the place of his birth, was born a Roman. And Paul had freedoms and liberties, and I, I love it when Paul pulls out his, I'm a Roman, Roman citizenship card. There, uh, uh, when he's in, in Philippi, after he gets beat, he pulls it out like, hey, you just beat me, and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Roman. And, and then they're all terrified, like, oh, no. Because if you were to scourge a Roman uh, unjustly, you would be, the bare minimum was that you would receive the same punishment. That's the minimum. <laughs> uh, you, could, you could be executed. You could be, there's, there's a lot that played into that. And uh, so the Romans had liberties uh, and I, that not nearly the same that we have today. I'm just going to throw that out, um, you know. But, uh, but Paul, before he gets beat this time, he's like, yeah, I'm going to pull the Roman card out now. So he, 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 he pulls out his little citizenship card. He's like, hey, I'm a Roman. I got freedom. I, you can't do this. It is illegal. It is unjust. You cannot do that. And he, he goes and he points to his citizenship. He points to who uh, basically owns him. He is a citizen of Caesar. Caesar owns him, and, and you're not allowed to, to, to hurt Caesar's property uh, without a reason. And so he, he goes there, and the, the centurion is scared because he's, uh, he's, he, he put him in irons, and that alone was, was too much. He shouldn't have gone that far because he's a Roman. But uh, so he, he goes, and then he asks him, how, how, how did you become a Roman? Like, how did you get this freedom? Because it took me, if we, if we look there, let's see. And they bound him. He told us, and the chief came and said unto him, Tell me, art thou a Roman? In verse 27, and he said, Yea. And in verse 28, the chief captain answered, With a great sum I obtained this freedom, obtained I this freedom. And Paul said, I was free born. You see, living in America, if you're born here, you're a U.S. citizen. 
Many people have come to this country every single day and, uh, and, and go uh, through, the, through the process to become an American. How many, has anybody ever here sat in a naturalization ceremony where people have come to the U.S. and become citizens? If you haven't been to one, go to one. It, it is to see people that have gone through the process, that have worked hard to earn a citizenship, that have gone through that, it is, it is, it is it's powerful, probably the best way I can put it. To see these people that would, that would take an oath. By the way, if you're born here, you don't have to take this oath. But they would say an oath that, they would, that, they'll, that they'll live for America, that they'll defend America, that uh, all these different things that they say, and you should learn the naturalization oath. Even if you're born in America, you're an American citizen. I encourage you to learn that. Uh, because we make other people come in and it's like, hey, you got to promise to do A, B, C, and D. you got to be a good citizen. you gotta, you got to uphold the Constitution. you got to do this and that. And then we have, we have uh, people that grow up here, a lot of you teenagers and stuff like that, don't even know what's in it, don't know what you're, what you're born into, don't know the freedoms and liberties that you have. Uh, we have a lot of constitutional scholars in this country, I've found out, that uh, have never read the Constitution. Um, <laughs> Their favorite YouTuber, you know, read up on it for five minutes and said, oh, I know what, the, I know what it says, and the president's wrong because he's doing A, B, C, or D, and, and it doesn't matter which administration is power, but somehow when it doesn't go our way, you're an expert at law. I don't know how that works. But uh, there's a lot that goes into that. But when I, I remember going to one of these naturalization uh, ceremonies in Arizona, and uh, a good, good uh, friend, couple of ours, was, was uh, become becoming a U.S. citizen. They had left Germany to come be U.S. citizens, and uh, it was a long process for them. It took a long time. And I, but when they came to that ceremony, I mean, they were decked out red, white, and blue. They were carrying flags. They were stuck in their hats. They were just, whoo, they were excited because, sure, Germany's not a bad country, but they were glad to be, from that day on, be known as an American. And there are people that flee countries all over the world that seek to come to America. And some, some come the right way, some don't. We're not going to get into it. That's, but people want to live in America. It's a wonderful privilege. And, and, and at the time, if you could liken any country to being the most free, in that time it was, it was Rome. Now, Rome had a lot of problems. <laughs> don't get me wrong. But Rome was the country that you wanted to be a citizen of the Roman Empire, if you could. Because that gave you... That gave you freedom to move around the country, to move around the world in the known Roman Empire, to, to sell, to buy. You didn't, you, there was a, so much you could do. Uh, and, and we know that if you weren't a citizen, if a Roman soldier were to look at somebody that wasn't a citizen, they'd be look, look at you on the side of the road and be like, hey, you're going to carry my bag for me. They just make you because you're not a citizen. They are. <laughs> and so... To, to be a Roman citizen was, was amazing, but it always came at a cost. For Paul, he didn't pay that cost. He was born into it. For that centurion, he had to work hard and he labored, uh, probably a lot of it in his, in his duties as a soldier, and then later on would obtain that citizenship for the Roman Empire. And it makes me think of the correlations we can draw to the Christian life. None of us, none of us are born as a Christian, I, I've got my, my kiddos sitting down here, three of them. Uh, just because I'm saved, just because I know Jesus Christ is my Savior, doesn't mean that they are. They weren't born Christians. You can't ride into heaven in the, the coattails of your parents. 
I was born again. I received Christ as my Savior. I was saved. And they would have to do the same thing. But the cool thing is, I didn't have to pay the price for that. I can't work my way into heaven. I can't do it all on my own. That price was paid, just like Paul's was. Paul didn't pay the price, but somebody did earlier down the line so that he could be born a Roman. Jesus Christ came and died on the cross for my sins. He's the one that paid for my sin debt. He's the one that gave me a citizenship to heaven. I can be a Christian, I can be Christ-like because of what Jesus Christ did for me. And that's the price that was paid. Let's turn our Bibles over to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, also Paul writing here in Romans chapter 6. And this is a, this is a great passage and, and things that we should be doing as Christians and, and comparing our, our sin life to our, to our Christian life. And, and I, I, I want to go over the whole passage, but for sake of time, uh, I mean, I, I love that first verse. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And then it goes on to say, God forbid, but we're not going to draw our focus there. We're going to go to uh, verse 15. And we're going to read down to verse 23. What then? Shall we sin? <clears throat> Let me pull my Bible up a little bit. My can't read it as well as I used to. <laughs> what then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Uh, going, going along the lines of who you're going to obey is going to kind of show who's owning your life, okay? Uh, we, we're gonna, we could dive deeper into that, but for sake of time, we're going to keep moving. Uh, verse 17, But God be thanked that ye were servants of sin, but that ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh, for ye have yielded your members, servants, to uncleanness and to iniquity, unto iniquity. Even so, now yield your members, servants, to righteousness, unto holiness. For when ye were servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. And then many of us should know this verse right here. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. In this passage, we see, we see Paul talking about sin and he references salvation and righteousness and grace and and all these things have to be balanced. But when we're saved, when we, uh, when we look at that last verse, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life uh, through Jesus Christ our Lord. We know that when we're sinners, when we're, when we're unregenerated, before we're saved, what have we earned? Death, hell, se eternal separation from God. When it goes into that verse, the wages of sin is death, it's not just talking about physical death. We're all going to die someday, unless Jesus comes back before, before that assigned time for you. Uh, we're all going to die someday. That's a truth we can't escape. Uh, you could, you could, I've, I've heard Walt Disney is cryogenically frozen or something like that. I don't know if that's true or not. I've read articles and whatnot. But he didn't escape death. 
Um, he's going to die. I, I, truth be told, I don't know if he's still alive in there somehow or whatnot, but more than likely he's dead. The process, I don't know. But uh, <laughs> I've I don't know if he's really in a test tube. Does anybody know if that's a true fact? Walt Disney's in a test tube somewhere. I don't know. But I think he's dead. But anyhow. Um, but he's either, he's, he, the Bible says that a point under man wants to die, and after this, the judgment. Uh, we're we're going to stand before God someday, and it's either going to be at a great white throne, or we're going to stand before Jesus Christ, and, and he's going to weigh out our works. But it's going to be one or the other. But, our works, our righteousness, and we know the Bible says our righteousness is filthy rags. There's nothing good in and of ourselves. We could work and work and work and work and work, and we would never earn salvation. Thinking about the time that, that uh, the, the, the Christians would, or Christians, that these people would come before Jesus Christ, and, and one day they're going to stand before him and say, uh, man, I preached in your name, and I did all these things. And he talks about this in Matthew, the, the late, latter part of Matthew, and and in your name, we did many wonderful works. And Christ, God the Father, would look at them and say, Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. I never knew you. If you're not saved, you have not received Jesus Christ as your Savior. And that debt has been paid in full. There's nothing in and of yourselves. You can't earn it on your own. It's paid. But you have to accept that gift. How silly would it be if you, if you had a birthday and people bought you presents? You're like, eh, I don't really want those presents. Like, I'm happy just being born. Uh, if you were one of the people that bought one of those gifts, you'd be like, hey, I put a lot of thought into that. It took me time to pick out a gift I thought you would like. Uh, and I can only imagine what Christ feels like when he sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. And many, many times people will come and they're offered that gift of salvation. They go, eh, I don't really want it. It's okay. I don't want it. You keep it. Many, many, many stories I could go into that illustrate that, that power, uh, the, the price that was paid in salvation, but, but you're offered that gift. You're offered a, a, a path of salvation, and many times we reject that. We see people do it time and time again. You're, they're brought with a choice. And we... If, if you offer somebody, if you show them the way that they should get saved, if you go through what we call the Romans road and we get to the point where it says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And we get there, would you like to pray today and get saved? And they're like, eh, I'll pass. Like, oh, what? Really? You don't have to, it's, it's free, it's paid for. Are you sure? You can't talk somebody into getting saved. But I tell you, when you've done that, you remember the day. You remember the time, you remember the place. I mean, I could take you. I could take you back, July twenty third, two thousand and three, at Warm Beach Campgrounds, and the the preacher that night had preached on. I mean, I can go through the whole story and and, and everything that goes into it. And it's it's uh, knowing knowing after the preaching that I was not saved, but going, I, I had grown up in this church and I I had made a decision when I was younger uh, because my friend did. Uh, many of you know Bobby Gall. Bobby Gall got saved, and I was like, well. Anything he can do, I can definitely do better. So that was kind of my person, my my mentality going into that. And I, I made a I made a decision, but my heart wasn't in it. I was just doing it because somebody else did it. And that day, knowing knowing after the preaching that if I had died that day, I would that I would suffer and go to hell. And the change 
the, the, the things that Christ has done for me and how my life would never be the same after that day. Salvation impacts you. And, and Paul, in this passage, and he's talking about how because we're saved, we're free from the law. We're not under the bondage of the law. The law is no longer our schoolmaster. Is it, is it wrong to obey the things that are therein to, grow, you know, to be closer to God? And that's, that's not uh, a bad thing, but there are certain, certain things that were abolished and, and, and liberties were given, and you don't necessarily have to follow certain things. And you learn all those things by studying the word. But we're not to sin so that we can have more grace, and that's where he's going at. Uh, at the beginning of the passage where the church at Rome, they were saying, hey, if we sin more, God's just going to give us like bucket loads more grace. That's going to be amazing. So that was kind of the mindset. Like, hey, let's, if, we, if, we, if we go and we do bad things, God's just going to keep on us more grace and, and we'll grow closer to God. It doesn't work that way. Uh, God, God wants us to grow closer to him and to abstain and to stay away from the appear, even the appearance of evil. God wants us to grow closer to him. And we see that he says that we're, we're born unto righteousness. Let me get right there. Uh, da, 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 that's, you were servants of sin. You were free from righteousness. When we're, when we're in sin, we're free from righteousness. We're not held to the account to the standard that a Christian should be because we're not saved. Uh, what fruits had ye then in those things? Ye are now ashamed. Uh, for the end of those things is death. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruits unto holiness and the end, of, uh, and the end everlasting life. We're expected to have fruit that remains. We're expected to, to be a Christian, to be Christ-like. We're expected to see a change in our hearts and our lives there's expected to be a change. Who we obey. We're to yield ourselves unto Christ. We're to yield ourselves unto righteousness. If you can look at your life from the moment you got saved to now and you can't see a difference in your priorities, you can't see a difference in how you live your life, you can't see a difference in, in how God speaks to you, if you're not looking to uh, grow closer to God, you might have to stop and reevaluate those things. Either you're, you've been living in gross sin and you're, you're away from God and that's, that's a thing that a Christian can't do for long. Or you may not be saved. And that's the plain truth. You may not be a citizen of heaven. So we see, we see in this passage, we see sin, we see salvation, we see grace and how all these things, oh, we, you, can't, you can't get saved from sin if grace wasn't extended first. Salvation, uh, for by grace are you saved through faith in that not of yourselves is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We know that. And so Paul would teach the Romans here, you need, once you're saved, you ought to live like a Christian. We don't live like the world. We don't live in sin. We don't go after all the things that this wicked world would go after so that we can heap unto ourselves more grace. No, we should stay away from those things and we should live like a Christian. And by the way, that's a fun word, uh, first, first given to the church at Antioch because uh, they lived like Christ. That's what the term Christian is. Uh, it, would, it, would, it would come from the idea of being a, a, little, Christ, a little Christ, a little Christian, uh, that you reflect your quote-unquote master. God doesn't demand our worship. God doesn't demand our servitude. He doesn't demand our devotion. He asks for it but it's something that we give to him freely. 
And we should live like Christians. So Paul, going through all this, he's, he's, he's teaching them that don't, don't live in sin. Live like a Christian. Live, a, live a, a strong Christian life. Be more than a conqueror through him that loved us. That's what he's saying. You can't, you can't escape from hell from, in your own works. You got to be saved, right? But once you're saved, you ought to live like a Christian. How many of you ever played uh, uh, Capture the Flag when you were recently or when you were younger? Yeah. What happens when you're, when you're captured? You go to where? Jail. <laughs> you go to, I remember playing as a kid and going to jail and, and sitting in there and, and nothing I did could I, could I break my way out of jail. I wasn't allowed to, to run free. I'm stuck in jail. There's no freedom. There's no hope until, uh, depending on the rules of the game, if, if some person were to get a ball and put it in a certain basket, there would be what was called a jailbreak. And I remember, I, I, I like playing Capture the Flag, but I like watching little kids play it more. I just something about when, when you got all these kids sitting in jail. And I, I mean, you see the whole, I've seen kids sitting in jail. They got tagged, they got sent to jail. And they're sitting on the ground crying. They didn't tag me, it's not fair. You know, and I've seen that and I've seen kids that are just, they're right on the line. They're like, get the ball in the bucket so I can get out of here. And they're, they're yelling and screaming, but nothing they do will get them out of that situation. Right? But then, oh man, when that one kid, and depending on the rules, and sometimes putting some ball in a bucket or you know a time limit, but when that time hits, and the person that's manning the jail says, jailbreak, you see these kids, ah! they go running out, and they're, they're excited, they're going to go win, and they're going to, and we should live our Christian life like a kid that just got jailbreaked out and ca- captured the flag. Woo, I'm free! I'm going to go, and I'm going to win the vic- that should, that's That should be us. Running out like a crazy madman. Okay. And yet, yet so many times we're, we're saved from sin. We're born again. We have all the promises of the Bible. We have so much to look forward to. We come to church and it's awesome. Uh, if you're looking for it, it's, trust me, it's awesome. And then we get out of church, the final amens sounded and it's, amen, brother. Let's go into the world. That was a good message today, preacher. Let's go pick up the kids, go home, we'll take a nap, and we'll come back here tonight, right? I've seen people with more excitement on their face coming out of a funeral than I see on some Christian's face when we're leaving the church house. Now, if you're lingering because you want the preaching to go on, I can accommodate. I'll just throw that out there. We We can keep going. But I'm bringing it to my last point here. We shouldn't dwell in sin. We should live a, a victorious life. Let's go to Galatians chapter 5. And, and this was where I had most of my message. And then Brother Hugo was in Galatians chapter 5 on Wednesday. Which, by the way, if you weren't here to hear Brother Hugo, uh, just pouring out his heart. And what a wonderful message that was. Um, and uh, it's good stuff. But we're just, just that first, uh, first, oh, I'm in Corinthians. That's not the right place. Get in trouble. How many have to sing the, the books of the Bible song to know where you're going? So I get, I get into some of those epistles or, or, or in the, the Old Testament and, and the prophets, and I'm like, you know, New Testament, I go, and I got Mrs. Omelie to thank for that. I, I know where to go in my Bible because Mrs. Omelie uh, drilled in the books of the Bible. So when I made it to Bible college, I, I knew, the, I was like, I'm way ahead. Of, 
there are kids that make it to Bible college that can't find their way through the New Testament. That's like the first thing you do. You got to learn the books of the Bible. And these kids, how am I supposed to learn 66 books in order? There's a song. <laughs> it's really easy. So anyhow, now I got sidetracked. Um, but uh, Galatians chapter 5, it says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty, wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. What's that yoke of bondage? That, that sin life that we once lived. The Bible says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. We are free, we are victorious, we have, we have so many blessings to look forward to, and we're to stand fast in the liberty. Uh, looking at that word stand fast, it, to, the definition is a, a refusal to abandon one's opinion, a refusal to abandon one's position, a refusal to abandon, to flee, to retreat. A refusal. And we're celebrating Independence Day coming up and reading through history. And, and, and it made me think of the Battle of, of Bunker Hill, Battle of Breed's Hill, uh, way back June 7th, 1775, when the, the, the British had taken Boston and, and the, the, the Continental Army decided they weren't going to let that stand and they were going to do everything in their power to stop them. And, and they they, 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 they barricaded themselves in at Bunker Hill and the co-siding hill where most of the battle was fought was Breed's Hill. And that's where the famous line was given where the British were marching up the hill and the line would be, don't fire till you see the whites of their eyes. Okay, and it's, it's, it's unsure who was credited with that line, um, but it, it was more likely one soldier said it and then it just got repeated by the next soldier to the next soldier. Uh, and the reason that was given because uh, after the first round of the, Brit the British marched up that hill three separate times. The first two were horrible disasters. They would take the hill on the third, the third advance. And, and most of the U.S. soldiers, the Continental Army, they weren't U.S. soldiers then, but we'll, look, we'll call them that anyways. But uh, many of them would die uh, when the hill was taken from them. But the idea was that they were to stand fast Many of them would refuse to leave that position despite the fact once the British finally got up and were taking the hill, many were told, it's time to leave, it's time to retreat. And they said, no, I will stay. And the only reason they left is because they ran out of ammunition. The British were coming up the hill and it was like, we got no bullets, we can't shoot back. And so the few that stayed were to initiate in hand-to-hand -hand combat. But a refusal to stay and say, no, this is the hill that I will literally die on. There was people that did that. And as Christians, every single day we go into the world and there's, there's lines that need to be stood by and there's times that we need to stand strong and that we should, that we should stand fast and not move, uh, that we're to be a strong Christian and say, I will not move because God has told me this is the line, this is where I will stand. You look at that, that, that verse though. It says, stand fast in the liberty, the freedoms. Everything that God's given us, we have freedoms and liberty and all these blessed hopes that God gives to us. And we could go days talking about the wonderful things that God's done for us. But right here, he says, Wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. So many times Christians 
want to play that active grave robber. Like, hey, I know I'm crucified with Christ. I know that old man is dead, but you know what? I really liked it when I could A, B, C, and D. You know, go out with my old friends and go to the, go to the bar or go do this or go do that. So I'm going to go and live that old, dead self life again. And you want to pick up. Could you imagine walking around with a dead body? Like, A, that's weird. <laughs> but but that, that would not be socially acceptable to be like, hey, this is the old me. Just pretend that I'm not here just talking to the dead body. And we walk around like a dead Christian, like a zombie Christian. Okay, I don't know if I can use the zombie word at church. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but we walk around like, 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 like an undead Christian. Without the power of God in our lives, without, without hope. Now, don't be a slave to our sin. The Bible says there's so many terms that are used to, to relate what a Christian should be. Ambassador, a soldier, a servant, a conqueror. But never does it say that we're to be that old, dead, living in sin self. That's gone. So if you're a Christian, we ought to be a Christian. Uh, what, I was looking through my notes and everything before this morning, and then I was walking down the hallway and... Uh, uh, the little kids were in, in, in their classroom, and they, they started singing the B-I-B-L-E. The B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-I-L-E, the, the, the B-I-B-L-E, and then you jump up and yell, hey, we still got it, okay, whoo, you yell Bible. Every day when we leave this church, we're to be an ambassador. We're to be a soldier. We're to be more than conquerors. We're to be a servant to Christ. We're to have fruit that remains. We're to live unto righteousness. There's so many things. I won't say commandments because God gives us, uh, he gives us freedom. He gives us liberty. He gives us the choice to do what's right. The law was all commandments. We're, we, that was given to us to be our schoolmaster to show us how, fall we, how far we've fallen short of God. We don't live under that law. We live in freedom. We live in liberty. But we're to freely choose the things of Christ over our own selves. We're to die to self daily and to live after Christ. So my question to you, are you a, a born-again Christian? Are you living a life that's victorious? Are you being a good ambassador, a good soldier? Living a, more than a conqueror? You got freedoms, you got liberties. Uh, you, you can, you, one day, the Bible says that it's, once, it's pointed on a man once to die. Everybody's going to stand before Christ someday. Um, but I look forward to the day when I'm standing before Christ and, and I've got my quote-unquote uh, heavenly citizenship card. I'm supposed to be here. I'm so excited. I get to see my Savior's face. I But then knowing that there's going to be people that are getting there going, I, I, I don't have one. And knowing that Christ is going to look at them and say, depart from me. If, if I know, I hear it a lot, people complaining about where our country is. People complaining about the, the state of the world, all these things. But the point is, if you want to see a difference in America, you've got to be a good Christian first. And that's how it rolls. And that's how it works. Let's pray.
Our gracious Lord and Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the privilege, the opportunity to be here today. We thank you so much for sending your son to die on the cross. We thank you so much for allowing us to be a citizen of heaven, to have that freedom, the liberty that only you can provide, to know that we have a home in heaven. And I pray that if there's somebody here that doesn't know you as their Savior, Lord, that they would not leave this place without sitting down with, a, with somebody here today and going through your word and knowing for sure that they, when they die, they'll go to heaven. And I pray that you would help us to be sensitive to those things, that we would be, for those of us that are saved, that we would be helpful for, to aid those that are not. And I pray that if, for every Christian here that we would examine our hearts and our lives and that we would be sure to change, to grow closer, to not sit, to not be complacent, but to grow closer, to always be moving forward for you, to stand when we need to, and to fight the good fight. We love you. We praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. If God's spoken to your heart, take a couple minutes. Come down to the altar. It's okay to lay those burdens down there. That's why we have it. Pray in your seat if you need to. You know somebody that's not saved, pray for them. You've got, you've got other Christians that aren't in church today that are suffering, family members that are sick, people that are traveling. If you don't have something to pray for yourself about, pray for others. Lift each other up in, in prayer. And that's why we come to church.